0: We actually landed an interview for the show today. I know. Look at us moving up in the world. Moving
1: up, moving, moving on, on up. up. Jinx.
0: <laughs> he
1: can't fucking talk for the rest of the show, dude. I fucking got your ass so good. <laughs> hey, so what do you think about this topic? <laughs> okay, Nick.
0: I honestly thought you'd be like Nick kids sucks, so and then just keep going. <laughs> we take drinks very seriously that was a here. That good, Jinx. You could have done this whole show. Dude, how funny would it have oh, been? Have been so I fun. I could have committed to the
1: bit. I will next time. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Movie Nights Roundtable. I'm Dalton Breda. I'm Nick Iricchio. And we are the Movie Nights. Well, some of them. You're watching this because you're going to hear our uncensored... Unfiltered. ...thoughts and opinions about the world of movies and entertainment news. So, kick back. Relax. And thank you for being part of the conversation. If you'd rather listen instead of watch, if you've got a bunch of on-the-go things happening, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcasting app of your choice. Just look up Movie Nights... And if you're listening to us from audio only, please consider going to YouTube Movie Nights and subscribing to us. You can catch brand new episodes of the Movie Nights Roundtable and many other great things, such as short films, reactions, and reviews.
0: And put faces to the names. Put faces to the names. Actually, don't do that. Just stick to audio. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna like how we're it gonna looks. we're gonna lose we're gonna lose viewers <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs>
1: yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So thanks again for tuning in. And, uh, Nicholas, I got some box office shit, because you know that's what I love talking about. We
0: love the box office. Yes, we do. We need to start adding, like, segment titles.
1: We do. And, like, get little animations for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, remember iCarly? You know, it was, like, random dancing, and then they would just break out, and start just, like, box office, box, and it's just, yeah. like, a bunch of animations. Yeah. We should have,
1: like, random, unpopular movie opinion, and I just look up at you, <laughs> and I just say something whack, like osmosis jones is better than shrek <laughs> just like we
0: fight for 20 minutes chris rock plays a white blood cell that is in bill murray's body who's fighting an evil gangster while rap music plays yeah that's what happens in bill murray's body on a daily basis <laughs> i assume so yeah uh anyway we are gonna get into the box office um coming in at number we go ahead we talked about the interview yes we didn't say what it was or who was. right is that kind of, is that important? Yeah, we should, we should probably bring that up. Might yeah. help, right? So yeah. at the
1: end of the show, uh, which don't worry, I'll put timestamps in the description for all you mm-hmm. fuckers who are going to skip the show, but uh, basically, um, at the end of the show, we were fortunate enough to land an interview with Jeffrey Giuliano, but um, he was on the show Squid Game, which we reacted which we to love. here yeah. on the channel. Thank you guys, all the people who watched that. It'll be a fun little treat for you. Uh, we're going to hear about, you know, his life how he got into acting and he's done all kinds of crazy stuff so i'm really excited for the interview Mm. it's gonna be fun and you'll see it right at the end of the show so without further ado let's get into the box office shall we coming in at number one was ghostbusters afterlife making 44 million dollars solid opening solid opening coming in at number two was eternals dropping 59 percent from its second to its third week making another 11 million dollars coming in at number three was Clifford the Big Red Dog making 8 million, dropping 51%. That's really good, even for a streaming thing, also. Mm-hmm. Coming in at number 4 was King Richard making $5 million. And coming in at number 5 was Dune, hanging in there in the box office, dropped 43% from its fourth to fifth weekend, making 3.1 million. So I wanted to pull up some official total box office numbers. Yep. So far, Ghostbusters Afterlife has made fi- almost just under sixty million worldwide on a seventy-five million-dollar budget. So, as that movie goes, it's going to make its money back. Yeah, good for Ghostbusters. Good for Ghostbusters. Um, Eternals has made three hundred thirty-six million worldwide. That's it's okay. Um, it's I, I'm sure they hoped it would do better, but it also didn't get a China release, much like Shang Chi. Yeah, uh, Spider Man is though. <laughs> it's going to make some fucking money money yep it's made about 1.7 times its budget you need to make about two and a half to be really profitable mm. we'll see how it ends up um let's see coming in Ooh, here's one i wanted to bring up dune has made 367 million dollars worldwide they kind of hope that would do better but it was also the hbo max thing those fuckers at wb it's made 2.2 2 times its budget so mm-hmm. that's still okay with the streaming release also and what I wanted to bring up, No Time to Die. It's still in there? Not in the top, but oh, it's still in dang. the box office. Its total box office has been $734 million.
0: Holy crap.
1: In the re- that Worldwide. Yeah. And the still. reason why I wanted to bring that up is
0: because I'm fairly certain that it is now the number one movie worldwide. In a world where James Bond makes that, does Spider-Man break a billion then in a pandemic? Maybe. Worldwide? Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's pretty neat.
1: Um, it is the highest American movie worldwide. There are two uh-huh. foreign language films that have made more, but I, know, I think one of them is a Chinese film. Mm-hmm. And you know with Chinese films in the box office, you kind of have to be, yep. you know, the government releases how much it's made. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of have to take that with a little, bit of, a little bit of a grain of salt, but technically it's still not. Um, let's look at what the number one domestic movie is so far. I'm curious about that. What did Eternals drop
0: in its second week? 60, I, I think. That's not, that's yeah. Bad,
1: not bad. Um, and usually, as Spider-Man gets closer... Yeah, it'll... Yeah. The number one domestic movie is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings at 224. Number two is Venom 2. Good. Number Good. three is Black Widow. Number four is F9. And number five mm-hmm. is A Quiet Place 2. Oh, wow. So, unfortunately, that will get kicked out once... Uh, Spider-Man comes out. Spider-Man comes out. But... Spider-Man, The Way Home. Still. Solid. Solid. You know, all that comic book movie fatigue there in the top four domestic of the year. Yep. (laughs) Just a little bit. Oh, I hate those motherfuckers. Anyway.
0: It's because those millennials don't want to go see The Last Duel. Oh,
1: my God. When you sent me that. So, apparently, uh, quick thing, Ridley Scott apparently blamed the box office performance of The Last Duel on the millennials. Although, I read the whole quote. Yeah. And while he was salty... (laughs) He he complimented Disney though. He was yeah. like, I was afraid they weren't gonna promote it and they did, so they didn't do anything wrong, you know. Yeah. But those damn kids I saw
0: some people retweeting that when he said that and mm-hmm. people were like, It's almost like Ridley Scott could call me a fat, lazy piece of shit, and I'd still say he's the goat. So <laughs> He can say whatever he wants. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dude, he's so fucking funny. He's one of the biggest savages in the world. Him he's and James so... Cameron. I want him and James Cameron Did to do shows together. Did he
0: say when Blade Runner was coming? 2049 was coming out? No. With the Alien he was show, just kind of a like producer. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, uh, but yeah, it was... Um, I, I just remember James Cameron when they, at the end of 2019, they were interviewing a bunch of stars, and they yeah. said, what would you do if you had Bob Iger's phone? And they interviewed James Cameron, and they are like, what would you do if you, if you had Bob Iger's cell phone for a day? And he goes, I don't need Bob Iger's cell phone. I can call whoever the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite quote ever. That's a fantastic quote. Yes. I need him and Ridley Scott to do, like, a podcast together and just shit on people. Uh, anyway, we have tons of cool movie news stories for you guys. Coming in first, this one comes from The Hollywood Reporter. You like Blade, or at least, you know, you're going to like Blade. Yeah. Did you like Defy Bloods that came out last year?
0: I didn't see it.
1: Are ah, you a fan of Delroy Lindo? <laughs> I know the name. Well, you bitch, he's going to be <laughs> in Blade, the Blade movie, yeah. the one with Mahershala I, I, Ali. I saw
0: his face in the thumbnail for the image, and I did yeah. recognize him from yes. that. And I heard he was the the standout of he was. Defy Bloods. He,
1: yeah. he was great in that movie. He's a wonderful actor. Mm-hmm. Delroy Lindo has officially joined the Mahershala Ali Blade film um, it's not saying who he's going to play, although I'm hoping he plays Wh- Whistler, Whistler. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. That Chris Gustavuson played. That would be yeah. awesome. But, but yeah, um, I'm really excited for Delroy, Re- Delroy Re- Linda to join blade that he was great in Defy bloods. It really kind of gave him a nice resurgence into <laughs> the, you know, zeitgeist a little bit and, you know, obviously doing a Marvel movie. That'll, that'll get you some attention, that'll, get you some yep. attention, uh, coming in with our next story. Now, I mostly did this for a lot of the fans who watch the show because I've never personally watched Star Wars Rebels, at least yet. Mm-hmm. I plan on it. but Maybe it, some
0: reacts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh,
1: yeah, maybe.
0: Uh-huh-huh. In
1: an exclusive from Deadline, um, the Star Wars Ahsoka series has cast their live-action Sabine Wren, oh, right. who is one of the character characters in, yeah, in yeah. Rebels. And it is actress Natasha Liu Bordizo. I said that wrong. I know I did, and I apologize. But this is what Deadline had to say. Natasha Liu Bordizo... (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying it like that. ...has been cast as a lead opposite Rosario Dawson... ...in the Disney Plus limited series Star Wars Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. A spinoff from this hit series The Mandalorian, which... uh, Can you call it a spinoff of The Mandalorian? If Ahsoka existed before? Yeah, it's... It's weird. Um... I have learned, I hear, Bordizo will be taking on the character Sabine Wren from Star Wars Rebels animated series. Reps from Lucasoma Bordizo did not return email seeking comment. That means it's true. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. This has got to be exciting for fans of that show. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really watched The Clone Wars. I saw the Clone Wars movie when it came out in theaters, but that was really it. I mean, I'd seen a couple episodes here and there, mm-hmm. which I might also react to. But so I was familiar with um, Ahsoka. Yeah. So it's exciting to see her, even with my vague knowledge. But I know people who were diehard fans of that show who fucking lost their 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 minds. And I think adding Sabine is just going to be another one of those moments. Maybe they'll add an Ezra because I I hear that name all the time in relation (laughs) to Rebels. So I think it's very cool, and I wanted to bring that to you guys' attention. Although you probably already knew that if you're someone who watches a show like this. But what do you guys think about Sabine Wren being the character being live action cast in the Asok series? Are you excited? Let us know in the comments below. Going on to our next story. This is another one from Deadline. They got a bunch of exclusives last week. Oh my gosh. For no reason at all, Martin Scorsese is directing a Grateful Dead biopic. (laughs) What? You didn't hear about this? No. He is directing a movie about the Grateful Dead, the band. Okay. And Jonah Hill is going to play Jerry Garcia. (laughs) This isn't a joke. (laughs)
0: It's also good. It's, it's oh, amazing. I'm yeah. excited for that.
1: Yeah, this is what Deadline had to say. After stepping up as a producer on his next film, Killers of the Flower oh, Moon, man. Apple has Apple has found its next Martin Scorsese project, and its the subject is a band the Oscar winner knows well. Sources tell Deadline that Scorsese is on board to direct and produce a new untitled biopic of the Grateful Dead, with Jonah Hill on board to play the group's frontman, Jerry
0: Garcia. I'm so intrigued by. I would never put Scorsese and Grateful Dead. <laughs> like I felt like if Scorsese was, I felt like if Scorsese was going to direct a biopic, Grateful Dead would not have been like something yeah. that popped into my mind. But bam, yep, there it Must is. Must be a fan. Yep. And uh, I could have imagined Jersey Boys but Eastwood took that. Yeah.
1: But the thing that I also think is important to point out is he's sticking with Apple. Yeah. And you know, uh look i know that he for some reason his films don't do well box office wise in the past few years and mm-hmm. that kind of started i first noticed it it maybe it happened before that but i first noticed it when silence came out mm-hmm. and it made like no money yeah and then um you know he couldn't get irishman funded you know he's had a bunch of problems and apple got him and apples you know they're not dumbasses def- over there netflix
0: did irish right
1: yep and you know i right, keep long day no you're good Apple got him and they were like, Well, yeah. we're not gonna get rid of Scorsese, so what fucking what else you wanna do, bro? You know, let's let's do this. Grateful dead, fuck it. And he's putting Brendan Fraser
0: in a movie, and that's yes. really all that matters. That's all that
1: matters. Martin Scorsese's been saving cinema since day fucking yep. one.
0: Dude's here. Huh. Dude can do whatever the fuck he wants at this yes. point. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. And uh so I'm glad he's got a little relationship with Apple. You got Scorsese with Apple, you got uh Nolan with Universal now instead of Warner Brothers, you got the Neville New yeah. with Warner Brothers, you got uh Tarantino with um, Sony now, because once upon a time in Hollywood, because he right, he did right, right, do yeah. Miramax, yeah, and uh, Weinstein, but you know it's uh, yeah. now he's on to Sony. At least maybe he doesn't have a good, maybe his next movie is not Sony. Mm-hmm. I'm just assuming he's sticking and with Sony. Paul
0: Thomas Anderson doing whoever makes his movie. <laughs> exactly,
1: I love him. Ah, amazing!
0: Is this Kyler's Mountain Dew Voltage from last week?
1: Yes, I haven't moved
0: it oh my god are you Thirst- gonna drink that I'm thirsty <laughs> fuck it listen to that it still had a little yeah okay had a
1: little fizz still tastes good
0: not at all <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like <laughs> i've never had mountain dew voltage
1: yeah it shows
0: i don't like that <laughs> i'm gonna periodically sip from this throughout the show
1: even though you don't like it Good finish yeah. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Uh, anyway, moving on to our <laughs> next story. This one I wanted to bring up because it's something that we talk about box office-wise. Um, This story is re- going to be interesting. I'm going to tell you something and you're going to be like, that doesn't mm-hmm. make any fucking sense. And that's kind of the whole crux of the story. So, Bohemian Rhapsody's um, Anthony McCartan is suing the producers over profits. That guy is the one who I believe wrote the screenplay yes the screenplay for the movie okay and he's writing it because of money that he is owed to him and with the deadline article it goes into a little details about the deal that happened basically um uh, mccarton's suit maintains he made a deal directly with king the producer to receive five percent of the of king's take the producers take okay eventually king turned over all the deals to fox and disney when they merged and mccartan maintains that the deal accounting definitions have changed and he has not been paid a cent of the back-end deal that he was promised okay now that usually happens when a movie isn't successful like if you take a back-end deal and the movie doesn't make any money that's just the bet that you made and you lost Bohemian Rhapsody made $911 million.
0: I didn't realize but, it made that
1: but, much. But here is where it gets funny. In the books, mm-hmm. it's listed as a $51 million loss. The budget of the film was $55 million. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so this lawsuit is kind of bringing up that they've been pushing money around to prevent people from getting paid.
0: Greedy people, Nicholas. The movie made yeah. almost a billion dollars. Yeah. And they're saying it lost 50?
1: Yes. And everyone's like, you
0: guys are full of shit. And that's basically what this story has they're exposed. They're saying this is a billion dollar movie, but... So that guy's getting paid. Oh,
1: he he's he's gonna get paid. Uh we're gonna follow up on this story and make sure this guy gets paid. You said he's getting five of... percent. Yeah, of whatever the producer's cut was, and I think the producer was getting a cut of
0: the film's back end deal. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So that guy's getting paid. That guy's getting paid. Yes. They're <laughs> moving money that much. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Can you believe that? What studio, what, what studio made
1: that? Fox. But the reason why they're getting away with it is because Fox doesn't exist anymore.
0: Ah. Uh.
1: Like they marked it as a loss and yeah. then sold it to Disney.
0: That's wild. Yeah. Wow. I
1: mean, there's still people working for 20th Century Studios, but yeah. it's it's a completely different thing now. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? That's good. I wanted it's to bring good. that to people's attention. What do you guys think about that insane bullshit? Let, let us know in the comments below. This one, I don't want to take too much time on, but uh, I just had to bring it up. Exclusive from Deadline, HBO Max is rebooting Under Siege.
0: (laughs) The Steven Seagal franchise? Are they rebooting it with...
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is what the article has to say. I can't do it. uh A reboot of the 1992 hit, Steven Seagal Action Movie Under Siege, is underway at Warner Brothers with Timo to Jahanto, directing, sorry, I did not say that right, and Amar Aleem, writing. The duo I hear collaborated and develop the pitch together with the movie being planned to stream on HBO Max. Oh, there's no word yet if Seagull will reprise his role as Casey Rideback.
0: I hope he does.
1: Dude, I fucking doubt it. Seagull is fucking weird, man. Yeah. He's lost his mind. But yeah, that, just a quick little thing. I just wanted to let you know
0: that they're doing a reboot whatever you want. Don't touch speed. <laughs>
1: They will never touch me. Well, they made you, speed. They made speed, speed to know, cruise but, control.
0: Yeah, but like cuz it took place on a cruise.
1: But <laughs> I miss old Hollywood, man. Give me 90s early 2000s dumb bullshit. But like I want to give money to can't whoever touch speed. I want to give money to whoever approved Too Fast Too Furious
0: as a title. That's so bad. Any of the Fast movies?
1: The Fate of the Furious (laughs) F9 You know what I love They made Fast 5 Fast and Furious 6 And then Furious 7 Why don't Fast 5 Furious 6 Like why Why
0: why? just Fast and the Furious (laughs) 1 Fast and the Furious (laughs) 2
1: Or the how the first one is called The Fast and the Furious And the fourth one is called Fast and Furious. They yeah. dropped the thus.
0: Why not just like that, or just, just, just do a colon, and just <laughs> add in something. Yeah. Fast and Furious. Blah 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 blah. This time it's Chicago. This time it's chi- <laughs> F F, <laughs> F-, <laughs> F- <laughs> nine <Hans> back
1: That <laughs> they might as well
0: have named it. They that. might as well <laughs> yeah. showed him in every trailer. Um.
1: I'm telling you, I've said it before I say it again. Fast 10 your seatbelts. It's got to be the next one. I hope. Unless it's something better. If they there's, can do something better, I'll you take You can't.
0: It. <laughs> you can. Well, in his post he called it the Fast in the Finale, which there's no way that's the name. That's better. I'll take the that. The Fast in the Finale?
1: Yes, I'll take that.
0: For Fast 10 your seatbelts. Yes.
1: If they called it the Fast if they called it the Fast and the Finale Part One, that's it. It's the greatest movie title ever. I hope there's no part two.
0: <laughs> oh my god. The Fast and the Finale Tokyo Drift. <laughs> that's what it needs to be called. Oh my god. I hope there's like an endgame level scene where a bunch of cars just pull off to a race. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like Charlie's there in a bunch of auto drone cars
1: <laughs> Dude that'd be amazing Dude they should <laughs> they should really lean into it And play that theme from Endgame When the portals open And just fucking go for it
0: <laughs> Just a bunch of highway exits <laughs> Dude that'd be amazing Do you think they CG Paul Walker into it?
1: Oh yeah Are you, at that point you have to They have to right Or at least have his car do something to save the gang. Like, clearly his car, you know?
0: <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, real quick, then we'll get off this. Did they get The Rock? He never responded. I don't know. Do you think they can get him?
1: I think they can, but I, I genuinely don't know. Can they afford The Rock? Well, there's that and just, you know. Does The Rock like the script, which... If he's not in it a lot, he won't do it. No. Which, but but that means if he says no, they're going to have to do some work. Yeah. So either way, it's going to be an interesting ordeal. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Before we get to rumors of the roundtable, I want to talk about something that kind of leans into rumors of the roundtable. Yes. They dropped a new Spider-Man trailer, Nicholas. You're goddamn right they did. It was so good. It was fantastic. And uh, thank you for those who watched the reaction to it. How that do I didn't I didn't no, they got about twelve k thirteen k yeah, it wasn't bad no watch them again uh, no uh okay, we officially saw all the villains.
0: we saw five villains we,
1: we saw no we saw six j Jay Jonah was there Jay Jonah
0: was there <laughs> <laughs> he's he's gonna did Jake him his jacked he's ripping that shirt off and he's bare knuckle boxing someone. <laughs>
1: I hope if Toby and Andrew are in this movie, Toby sees him and goes like JJ? And then he just turns around, rips his (laughs) shirt off, and goes, Spider-Man Spider Spider Man (laughs) And he just has like a stroke. No, he does a line of coke and just starts fucking No, um if we're we already know there's reports that it's not the Sinister Six because they're already planning on. It's a syndicate. If J.J. gets to say sinister six or sinister syndicate Nick if they say sinister yep. syndicate uh, yep. I will get John watt's tattoo name tattooed right over my pubes like that's where that name belongs
0: I mean he's been he's been doing the work he, he gave has us, he did the electro mask he did well one one he did mysterio <laughs> like exactly yeah and it shouldn't work. And they put him in a mocap suit, which is the funniest fucking bit. <laughs> it's so good. He got Michael Keaton to sign a multi-picture deal. I know he didn't, but mm-hmm. he did the Electro mask. He is directing Goblin and Doc Ock,
1: and Lizard and Sandman and, and Electro. Man. I
0: know. I have faith. John Watts is going to give me lab coat and purple pants on the lizard.
1: Oh, yeah. And he's going to give us some type of purple scarf on the goblin. He has to. Dude, after I, seeing the mask. I'm excited for the trailer. Dude, the trailer was awesome. Uh, no Toby and Andrew. They're playing their fucking cards. Hey, if they're not in the movie, we have nothing to be upset about. I just want to point that out yeah. there. If There they're totally are. But if they're not in the movie, we did this to ourselves. That's all I'm going to say. Did you, did
0: and I think you, it looks great without him. Did you see the? But they're they're oh, in yeah. it. they're so in it. <laughs> did you see the interview with Andrew Garfield where he was answering like the web's questions? Yeah, and yeah. he said, "Listen, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Go see the movie and be happy or disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> the man's just broken. I feel like every interview he does, he just texts Kevin Feige after. He's like, can I?
1: He's like, dude, I need a race. <laughs> just please come on. <laughs>
0: Just let me say Maybe it. Toby's just like fucked off doing his own thing. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't, this ain't my issue. Yeah. He just takes selfies with fans. Yeah. He's like, I <laughs> don't need 10 like nods to their question. Yeah. He's just like, you I don't have to do press. Yeah. I don't have to go Sunday. to the premiere. Done. Yeah. You're going to give me how much? <laughs> it's
1: so funny, dude. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to bring up the trailer and how awesome it was so you could bring up your rumor, sir.
0: Yes, uh, the rumor this week, again, rumors, 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 nothing confirmed. uh, Sony is trucking along with their uh, universe of Spider-Man villains, or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, It is being reported. Sony Spider-Man universe. Sony Spider-Man, the SSU. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It is rumored, 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 that they are developing solo movie projects for Sandman and Rhino. Good. Good. No, it is not confirmed if it is Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman from Spider-Man 3. It is unfortunately not confirmed (laughs) if it is Paul Giamatti's Rhino from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I hope it's both of them. One, because I think that Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman was arguably the best part of Spider-Man 3, character-wise. Yeah. And arguably Paul Giamatti's rhino was the best part of the amazing Spider-Man. And I, I, well, Uh, what's interesting about that too, is the fact that the trailer for no way home says that all these villains die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. Sandman didn't die. mm -hmm. So is this movie going to be about how Sandman died? Interesting. Maybe. And do they get Toby? Oh, dude. That would be cool. I don't Dude, think it, there's... If, yeah. if
1: you're going to get Toby, just do Spider-Man
0: 4. That's what I'm saying. You know? So, and Rhino... Now, if, if,
1: they do, hmm, if they do Spider-Man 4, you think I cried during that bitch? For those of you that can't see, it's Logan. You think I cried during Logan? Motherfucker, you have not seen me
0: cry. Uh, only if they get John Malkovich Vulture. <laughs> and Bruce Campbell Mysterio. Oh my God, yes. Um, but Please. And Rhino, Okay. Eternals was a comic that had twelve issues. Mm-hmm. Venom happened. Yep. If you can get the right story going on, do it. Why not? I, I wonder if they're developing it and it's not like moving forward very. I, I, I'm wondering how they're going to see if like how Craven does, or if they need to get these projects going. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I
1: that wouldn't shock me if like they're trying to wait and see how things go before they announce these or do these. And hey, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's bullshit. I wouldn't be upset. Make all the fucking movies. Give me a Doc Ock movie. Give me a Green Goblin movie. They're making a Silver and Black movie. They're making a Spider Woman movie or a show. One of those. Yeah. Madam Web.
0: If they work, they work. And if they don't, they don't. I mean, I've personally liked both Venoms. I know you're not a fan of the first one. I think you, you didn't hate the I second one. I do like one. the second one. Yeah. Uh, the second
1: one knew it was dumb, and that's why I liked it. <laughs> so
0: I feel like that's really dependent upon how Morbius is, because I don't know what's going on in that movie. It's a lot to unpack. And Craven would be next, right? Craven's probably filming soon. Probably. But I guess you can't really wait to see how Craven does, because that's still like a year and a half mm-hmm. out, if anything. Yeah, but they're, they're making Craven. Yeah, no, no, I know they're making Craven, but if they're waiting to see Sandman and Rhino based on that, but I guess by the time you start pitching... Well,
1: and... maybe, maybe they're not officially greenlit. Yeah. like,
0: And this is just assuming that they're real rumors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But
1: maybe there's a pitch for them. And they're like, all right, commission a script, and we'll yeah. check it out. I would just
0: find it weird if they use Sandman, if their whole thing is building a... Separate universe? A separate universe that's Sinister Six, mm-hmm. and then using that. But also, why not just use characters also that haven't been used before? Mm-hmm. Like Venom. Well, they... Topher Grace, Venom. The yeah. real Venom. But <laughs> like Craven, we haven't seen live action. Morbius, we uh-huh. haven't seen live action. So I find it weird to just backtrack to When that. are
1: they giving us the spot
0: that's the real question. I have the first appearance of Spot. Fuck you. When are they going to give us Chameleon? Chameleon, Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative. There's plenty of of villains to... Tubestone. Yo oh, I oh, forgot about Tombstone. Yep. Kingpin with Spider-Man. Yep. Oh, there, there, there There's a lot. Hobgoblin. I would love to see Hobgoblin. I would too, but they
1: have to do the outfit. If they don't do the outfit, I don't want it. Because yeah. the outfit is literally the only differential from Green Goblin.
0: Yeah. And well, I think that's why they haven't done him in a movie yet. Well, that too. And also, I feel like they can't do him in the Marvel Universe because he's Ned Leeds, who's spider Man. Well, he wasn't friend.
1: the first Hobgoblin. I thought he
0: was. Mm-mm. He oh. was like the second or third He's one. the Hobgoblin they use on the Spider-Man ride universe, so I know that. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I don't... Like, uh, if I would find it odd, but also certain characters really just lend themselves to the Sinister Six. Yeah. Like... Maybe get Shocker. Where's the Shocker
1: movie? Dude, you want to talk about me getting fucking excited? Yeah. Nicholas, if they announce that they're making a Shocker movie, I will quit my job. Yep. Just because that's the universe telling me good things are coming. <laughs> they make a Hydra Man movie.
0: Done. That's another one. Why do you say that when my, you can do I'll, I'll
1: sell my apartment. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's like
0: that scene from Wolf of Wall Street where he's like, you show me a pay stub. Yeah. I'll quit my job right now. It's you
1: like, show me a production schedule for Shocker and Hydro Man. I'll quit my job right now and come work for you. <laughs> Here's the thing. You might be thinking, Dalton. But Dalton, they did Shocker and Hydro Man. I know.
0: They they didn't they, technically do Hydro Man. But they said Morris they, they Bench. They didn't say his name. But then it's drones. Yeah. But Morris Bench exists. <laughs> Bless you. In the MCU. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh scorpion's still out there oh
1: shit you're right and prowler and prowler oh
0: <laughs> that's all i got on that.
1: but listen i don't hate the mcu for doing my two main villains dirty fuck i'm gonna sneeze again. i don't blame them for doing my boys dirty because i got my boys and i haven't had them before
0: i i just wish hydra man spoke and said you're taking Taking a a dive dive. shocker shocker deserved better but when you look at the role they gave him in you're like
1: he fit the story perfect i get it yeah i hope once in my lifetime i see this the shocker suit
0: yeah I, i i i'm god damn it bless you i am genuinely shocked with how the mcu has been interpreting costumes to be very comic book accurate how they vary d- in a sense i mean
1: they, they they sit in a room and they say what me do for the fans that makes sense
0: exactly <laughs> like mysteria looked good they gave electro a version of that in the trailer that we saw right but it's like i i'm shocked that they didn't do shocker yeah like even as the henchman but like he sends him to the school like it's just as simple as vulture saying line like hide, hide your face yeah like, making some kind... He's like, yeah. So, I, I... What would have been dope is if Peter,
1: when uh, he lost the Stark suit and had to put yeah. on the homemade one, if he fell into, like, something, a paint, and it was yellow and, like, had the streaks, and then when he's fighting Shocker and the cops come in, they're like,
0: freeze, and Shocker, like, quickly puts it on. Yeah. That'd be sick. That's, like, it's... Yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm genuinely... I'm curious why they didn't do mm-hmm. that, unless they're saving that for later. But yeah. they, they did the rest of the outfit. They did. Like, it had the yellow padding, yeah, the yeah, orange, but yeah. they just didn't do the mask. Yeah. I'm going to hijack your thing a little bit yes, here. Yes, absolutely.
1: When we get the X-Men, inevitably, mm-hmm. are they doing yellow the Wolverine suits. costumes? The Wolverine suit? Even for a gag? Because remember, they did. Well, it wasn't yeah. Marvel Studios, but the Luke Cage gag was good. I think they'll do it for a gag. Which means it's possible we'll get a Funko of it.
0: I think we'll get a gag. I don't think it would be anything. I could see them giving them the all the yellow suits, like mm. the general, whatever. Yeah. But yep. Wolverine just—it'd be cool. That you know, they might. It really depends on on what what tone they're going to go for with the character, and
1: it, and it doesn't have to be bright yellow. Yeah. You know, like it can be like a dark yeah. with
0: mostly black and blue. I feel like that's really dependent upon the 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 tone of the movies yeah. that they're going to yeah. go for. But I, I we'll could see. see I could see for a gag yeah. them like, we'll see doing it maybe per chance
1: yeah yeah well thank you so much for bringing that rumor of course and now without further ado ladies and gentlemen the moment you've probably been waiting for here is our exclusive interview can we call it an exclusive interview it's not right i don't know what that means exclusive interview it's exclusive to us it's exclusive to us here (laughs) is our exclusive interview with jeffrey giuliano of squid game enjoy Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to be here with Mr. Jeffrey Giuliano. Uh, this is a man who's a jack of all trades. He's been an author. He has started his own audiobook company. And of course you probably mostly know him as from his role on the worldwide phenomenon of Squid Game, which we'll obviously get into at some point. Uh, Mr. Giuliano, thank you so much for
2: being on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity very much. I love doing these things. Awesome, awesome. So uh, to start off uh, really
1: easy, just, you know, tell us the Jeffrey Giuliano story, you know, what in life got you to the point where you're sitting down there talking to us?
2: Well, I was um, always aware that I wanted to be an actor from a very early age of five or six, maybe something like that. Um, And I... Um, When I was 12, I got involved with community theater, which is a sort of phenomena. They don't have too much anymore. It was a great experience. I learned a lot there and I really was, it confirmed the idea that I wanted to be an actor. I then went to community college as an act uh, theater student and uh, graduated. Then I went and got a master's degree. I did dinner theater. I did Shakespeare in the park. I did children's theater. I I did all the things that I I don't think people really do too much anymore. Um, And uh, this has benefited me a great deal because I now have a kind of bag of tricks that I can rely upon in pretty much any situation uh, to create a character on the spot, uh, which is what you have to do when you do an audition. So I'm good at cold readings of a script. I'm good at Um, uh, ad-libbing or creating something from thin air. And these are the things that have allowed me to uh, uh, be successful with directors. So generally speaking, in the casting process, if one has to go through all these gatekeepers, of which there are always many, um, if you can somehow jump over that and get to the director, I pretty much always get the part. Not always, but and if I don't get the part, it's my fault. Something that I later thought, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. So um, uh, directors like me, <clears throat> and they cast me. Now, the reason I'm sitting here today, uh, and I'm you know an integral part of this, the Squid Game phenomena, is that I made a movie in Korea called Peninsula Trained to Busan. Which you can see on Netflix now. I had a good part in there. Um, It was uh, the the way the the role was largely improvisational, which is how I like to work. I'm less effective when I'm constrained and locked into the exact words of the script, as I was with Squid Game. Um, And uh, the director saw me in Peninsula. Uh, In the meantime, I came back to Bangkok and made a movie called Kate with Woody Harrelson, and. Uh, I was invited to cast for this. So I cast, they said, yes. Then there was some negotiation, probably about money between my ma- a- agents and managers. And, and then they said, okay, well, it didn't, no, sorry. it's not, okay. I said, fine. Because, you know, and you cannot invest yourself emotionally and get hurt or feel rejected or you'll just jump off a building as I've seen actors do. So I just like, if I get a part, that's great. If I don't get a part, also great um so i just said fine but two weeks later they called back and said okay you have the part made the arrangements and then i went to korea and did and did the role i know you're going to ask me if i had any idea it was going to be successful and the answer is nobody did nobody had not the director not netflix that and, and i can give you proof of that the director didn't get much money and regardless what they say in the press, the actors didn't get much money either. Now, they got more money than you do, probably, for doing what you do. I mean, they got money commensurate to their having a good part in a Netflix TV series in Korea, which is considered the hinterland, you know, of, of the of show business. So no one thought it was going to be that. The director has made statements in the media that, you know, I don't have much money. Yeah, well, he's going to get a lot of He doesn't didn't get much for the first show but i guarantee you when he negotiates the contract for the second show unless which is the probability that he already negotiated for the second show in the first contract but even so with all that success the lawyers will come in and they'll renegotiate stuff that's the way it always is but not to digress and wander into the weeds of of, about finances um you know i i didn't read the whole script now, they do this for security reasons because they don't want the script floating around, you know, and somehow somehow it gets on the internet. So they just give you the, the piece of the script that you're responsible for. So when I got on that set, I had no idea what this was about. I saw those guys in the pink suits with the helmet on and I thought, oh, okay, and nothing, just extras. I, I didn't have, wasn't too much I could think or say about it. I didn't know what it was all about. I went in and I, I spent... The time that i spent there a couple of weeks doing my part and 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 then i went home and so i you know it only when i got here did i understand it broke but there's a funny story about that uh about a week before it broke i was in my son's bedroom and just sort of seeing he was okay before i went to bed and his foot was hanging off the bed and i put his foot and i put the blanket over and there was a big moonbeam coming in the room and i just kind of looked at that moonbeam. And I said out loud, well, Jeff, dude, you tried, you're over well over 60 years old. You did everything people told you, you had to do your whole life. You know, you made 28 movies, but at the end of the day, you you didn't make it. It it doesn't really add up to too much of anything, but you tried and that's it. And you're not going to be any kind of big actor. Two weeks later or a week later, a few days later, whatever it was, Squid Game came and Newsweek put out a headline, Jeffrey Giuliano becomes global star, which is a ridiculous, you know, it's hyperbolic thing to say. I'm not a global star, certainly. Um, but anyway, Newsweek is a big deal um, for my generation in America, like Time Magazine. And so so for Newsweek to have a big picture of me that says Jeffrey Giuliano was a global star kind of have to believe them. Um, so that's that's kind of the road that took me from total obscurity, not total obscurity, because I wrote uh, 32 books from 1984 to 2006, which from which I cumulatively grossed $9 million. So, you know, I was a well-known guy, respected, but not in acting. So I made 20, when I became, um, in 2006, I made my first movie. Although I had a master's degree in acting, I put it aside to be a writer. So then uh, I I simply, uh, nobody noticed. Nobody noticed those 28 movies until Squid Game. Now, when I say nobody noticed, I mean the public. The public had no idea who I was. Um, But in Hollywood, they they know very well who I am, and they continue to give me parts. So I was known in the industry, completely unknown to the public. Wow, that that is awesome to hear.
1: Um, you know, speaking of, you know, you saying nobody saw those 28 movies until after Squid Game. I, I think that's just one of the backhanded compliments that can happen in the film industry is when you create something and you put it out there, it, it's immortalized on film forever. And it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to get discovered right away. You, know, you have things like Squid Game, which are become overnight worldwide phenomenons. Then you have oh. other things that you make that you know, someone comes up to you and says, oh, I loved you in X. And you're like, really? Like, no one cared about it when it came out. And, you know, have you, right. situ- have you ever had a situation where- Every uh, day.
2: I- yeah, really? Yeah. I, I, that's, you, no, I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. And you're absolutely right. Now people are saying, oh, I loved you in Scorpion King 3. I loved you in Peninsula. Uh, I loved you in Mechanic Resurrection with timberly Lee Jones and Jason Strotham. You know, but, you know- <laughs> It's, it's been a very heartbreaking and difficult road for me. I starred in three movies that were never released for legal reasons that had nothing to do with me, you know? And I, I thought, all right, it's going to happen now. I'm starring in, I went to Cambodia. I played the CIA agent on the run um, and from the CIA um, and uh, who opened a brothel. It's a really good movie. You can see on YouTube a clip from it called Why do lonely men come to Southeast Asia on the Jeffrey Giuliano channel? It's there. So I just have a few clips from these movies. Um, But I've had, you know, I mean, I've had luck. And it's, it's a pendulum. You know, it swings this way and it swings back the other way. But I know I've been alive long enough to tell everybody that's younger, if they don't already know it, things can either go right or they can either go wrong. They go wrong a lot more then they go right, you know? And when you put yourself up to try to be look, I'm not trying to be like the manager of a a bookstore. I'm trying to be a movie star here. That's a tall order. That's a big bite out of life. You know, that's, that's a lot of people want to fill that position. And there's only very few. So um, I, you know, I can't even say I've been lucky the pendulum swung back the other way. And I'm sitting here, trying to take full advantage of it so that I can move my art because ultimately end of the day, that's what it is. An art form. There's all this meat marketing and bullshit around it, but it's some internal process that the actor goes through where he tries to become, or comes very close to becoming somebody else. It's a kind of an insane thing that a process that you do, but it is, not easy apparently it's easy for me because I can do it but I guess other people it's very difficult I don't know if it's like being in Cirque du Soleil or playing the violin those things seem very difficult to me because I can't do them but the thing that becoming another person speaking another accent taking on other mannerisms is something I can do Um, but there's so much that gets in the way between me doing the thing that I have trained my whole life to do and doing it, that it's, it's rather disheartening.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wanna go back a little bit to something you said about your acting style of being very, you prefer being very improvisational. I was just gonna follow up and ask, um, You know, do you have any people that when you were you know, training to be an actor, Who worked very improv, did a lot of improv that you kind of looked up to, and said, you know, I kind of want to follow that same vein because I know a lot of my
2: my act my acting heroes are Dennis Hopper, um, and obviously everybody in The Godfather. There's a particular actor who played Frank Pantangeli's in Godfather Two, uh, 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 Frankie Five Angels. He was actually the head of theater at Yale university, but he played this kind of, Hey, Michael, you know, I played a kind of hoodlum, which is not difficult to do. I do that all the time because of my Sicilian background and the way I look and stuff. Um, I play mafia people mostly in all the movies. I've played some pirates and some Vikings, but generally speaking, I'll play that mafia part. And it's, it's a no brainer for me. Um, improvisation is the soul of acting. I consider the script the skeletal structure upon which the artist hangs his own interpretation. Now, a lot of directors like Quentin Tarantino don't go for that at all. We're paying you, which is true. We've hired you. You're an employee, and you're gonna. And I want you to say every word that's on those that script. If you work with a writer director, you're never gonna get an inch. Of, interpre- in, of, of, of interpretation because scripts are not written. They are black. So some guy is sitting in a crappy room he already said he sold his computer for $600. So he could continue to live while he wrote squid game. Some guy's living in some shitty room and he's writing this thing that he thinks probably no one will ever read and he suffers and his wife leaves and, you know, he can't pay the bills and, you know, he, the credit card bills. So, it's such a painful process that if you finally get it together to be, you know, uh, to do, be directing a movie that you wrote with, with Netflix or a series, you don't want some goofy guy coming in off the street uh, changing your shit. You know, I completely understand that. However, there has to be some trust in the fact that we're professionals. You know, it's, I'm not just some college kid. I know how to do this. So it's such an interesting example to me. I made two Korean movies, Peninsula. They had a script and I just freestyled on that script. And I'm very proud of the performance. Anybody can see it. It's at jeffreygiuliano.com. Just go to cinema and you can see all my movies and press it. Um, I was able to freestyle. It worked out great. Nobody said a word I made up about. 35% of the dialogue, or or I added to it probably more, would be more accurate. Um, And it was great. It's more difficult to me and doesn't ring, you can get closer to the truth of a character through adding something of your own rather than just what I call being a tape recorder. You know, I was, I'll tell you something that happened on the set of Squid Game. I was doing a, I was doing a P, uh, uh, some lines, and they stopped me because I forgot to use the word and. I used some other conjunction, and I went, I, 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 "Okay, sorry." Nah, 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 nah. Now it's not just stopping. Three hundred fucking people have to stop. It's a big deal to stop when you're doing a big Netflix movie on a huge set with cranes and you know. So finally, after the third time, I said, "What difference does it make?" And everybody was quiet. They looked at the floor. Because it doesn't make any difference if I didn't say and. It just doesn't make any difference. And then they said, the girl said a kind of a snotty girl said, Well, it's not what's in the script, but the director says it's okay. Well, fuck you. You know? I mean, just get a tape recorder, pay a tape recorder, put a robe and a mask on a tape recorder, and, and let it, let it, let it repeat all the lines. Look, there's an old joke. How do you make that an actor complain? Give him a job. I'm not complaining. It's great to be some kind of movie star. It's terrific. You know, it's what I've worked for my whole life. So I'm not, I'm just trying to be real with people. You know, I'm not I'm not complaining. I am not complaining. I love Netflix. I love Squid Game. I've made three movies with Netflix. I hope I do a hundred more. But I think it's important to trust the actor that you've hired to bring something to the table. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, you no, know, it, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, um, obviously, you know, with our background, we've made micro-budget short films. And even on that extremely small level, you know, if I didn't trust people coming onto the set to at least bring some spice, because sometimes it's hard for filmmakers, especially on bigger scales that you've worked on, to admit that maybe, just maybe, they don't have the best idea in the room. And you always want to give people the ability, especially professionals, to bring something new to the table because they
2: can only make it better. Because with film. Oh, no, 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 no. Fuck it up also. They, they can all, it's not a, a slam dunk. It could be. It's automatically better. If Jimi Hendrix has given some music and Eric Clapton has given some music, do you think they'll play that Mary Had a Little Lamb the same way? They will not. They will interpret. They will put their own spin. They will put their life experience, their talent, all f- goes into that. Now, that's not to say that I portrayed this VIP four exactly. I still had a little room. I had a little room. Like there's a thing where I, I do the, the, the guy come yeah, here, you know, I call him over like that. Uh, that wasn't in the script. Uh, and when I call the guy over, hey, you, you know, that also wasn't in the script. So there was some latitude there. And again, I'm, I'm not in any way complaining. This, this is a kind of something I'd say in front of the director if we had a roundtable discussion. If you're going to hire an actor and you're going to pay him a lot of money, which they did, use him, use him. Let him bring, but but sometimes it's not convenient. Now, one of the one of the things that a director could say to this as a, as a counter argument is, hey, Mr. Giuliano, you didn't read the whole script. You don't know what's coming next, what's gone before. How can you comment or contribute that much in it meaningfully if you don't know what the hell's going on? And that's absolutely correct. So I'm not talking about big, huge leaps. In fact, we should stop talking about this. I've gone to something else. I'm just talking about little flavors, little you know, hitting the note, ding, instead of ding, you know, just little, tiny, little, tiny, small little things that bring the character to life for me. All right, let's talk about something else. <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about some of your career as a writer. Um, you know, you have a bunch of, you know, luxurious, amazing things that you've done. And, you know, a lot of our main audience would only know you from Squid Game. So, you know, inform us on some of your adventures in writing.
2: Okay, well, um, I never had a writing class, and uh, I was, out after I got my master's degree, I was hired to be Ronald McDonald on those stupid TV commercials, and of course, I didn't want to do that, but I had two children, and I didn't have a job, and it paid a lot of money, so I did it, Um, uh, but that contract ended, I was living in Toronto at the time, and I didn't know what to do, I had nothing, so um, I called a publisher and said, I know a lot about the Beatles. Would you like a Beatles book? And they said, that's really weird. We're just sitting here talking about, we, we need a Beatles book. And that, that became a huge international smash in 1984, I believe, might've been 86. And um, then people just kept giving me money for 20 years. So I sat in a big mansion writing books, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't what I was put on this earth to do. I did it. It was very successful. But after 20 years, I said, no, man, I'm like 50, whatever I was, 50-something. I said, I, I got no more. can't do this anymore. I need to do the thing that I want to do, which is in my heart, which is acting." And so I've been making movies ever since. Awesome, awesome. Um,
1: um, with you, you know, doing your passion, acting, and yes, you have a master's degree in acting.
2: Did the- not... I'm sorry, go ahead. It's a meaningless piece of paper, but go ahead. <laughs> um, so I was a communications major. So, <laughs> yeah. No, but, um, well, you know, when I, when, I, when I went to college, there was like a, 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 you go in the gymnasium and it says math department, science department, theater department, this department, that department. And I saw that there was all these kind of goofy guys standing around the other departments. But in the theater department, there were some good looking girls. So I thought, well, that's where I'm going to go there and be an actor. Genius. Yeah. Genius. Um, You know, with, you know, you
1: living your passion, being an actor, was there anything from past things, whether it be writing or any other jobs or life experiences that you had other than what you learned in school that you think really helped contribute to bring your characters and how, you know, your acting style to life, you know, do you pull from other life experiences
2: with what you do now? Everything that happened to me, and I have lived a very, I guess, uh, atypical life. I've lived all over the world. I'm speaking to you now from Bangkok. Um, I've spent a lot of time in India. I've been involved with uh, Indian religions. I've traveled widely all through the world. Um, I'm, my, my political and Social views are to the left, and uh, I'm very interested in uh, us using this short period of time that we're all alive to try to affect some kind of positive influence. I don't put any stock in the fact that I issued from a vagina in 1953 in a particular geographical location, and therefore that is somehow superior to issuing from a vagina down the street. In Pakistan or India or Ceylon or Rome. That's stupid. It's called ethnocentricism. And it means that, you know, I'm up and everything else comes from that. Patriotism, religion, all of these things come from there. Well, I'm American and these are our values. Dude, your mother could have been on vacation in uh, in Portugal and you could have slipped out there. So then Portugal becomes the place. So there's a lot of stupid shit. That I don't subscribe to. My favorite comedian is George Carlin, so that would tell you something about me. Uh, I, I I don't. I've been able to somehow overcome dumb stuff and kind of hit the hit to the heart of some kind of seminal truth, which is the same for all of us. I'll give. I'll tell you when I first realized it. <clears throat> I was at a school dance in sixth, seventh grade at Madison Junior High School in Tampa. And it said, gentlemen must wear a tie. But I wore a uh, turtleneck sweater. So Miss Hinson, the guidance counselor, called me into her office, unlocked it, and said, Mr. Giuliano, did you not see that gentlemen are to wear a tie to the school dance? Well, I might have, but I just wanted to wear the tie. Mr. Giuliano, it's not manly to wear a turtleneck. It's manly to wear a tie, and I didn't. I said yes, ma'am, or whatever I said. But I, I, if this was a a a a a Coen Brothers movie, you'd kind of see a little bubble of me saying, "Lady, you're full of shit, and your world is over, and what you say has no influence on anybody but yourself. You're just you're in some kind of." echo chamber of old ideas and it doesn't make any fucking difference if I wear a tie or I wear a turtleneck what the fuck is wrong with you you know so I just knew that most of what you experience in life is phony it's acculturated nonsensical imaginary phony bullshit and I've been able to uh, I'm only speaking to you in this way because I already see that you're, you're serious guys you know, you could be the new Cohen Brothers right there. You know, um, so I'm trying to be a little bit, you know, I'm not, I'm not being so glib as I would normally be in an interview and try to hit something that's a little bit important. But, but you see, th- th- my grasp of reality. There's th- look, there's many realities. There's something called consensus reality, which is a lie that we all choose to agree upon. Okay, so this this is all a lie but we're just gonna pretend that it isn't and agree. That's called consensus reality. I don't, those really don't, just like Miss Henson in the seventh grade, I don't buy that shit. I understand that there's many, many, many realities all in the same, all happening at the same time. And um, I kind of surf, surf through those realities and that has given me a much wider palette as an artist to choose the colors the, to, to, to do my work. Does that make any
1: sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I, I appreciate that you are kind of, you know, being very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not You're not being fake in, you know, in the interview. You know, you're telling it how it is. You're being yourself and you're just expressing mm-hmm. how you think and how you feel. And honestly, oh, so oh, like, please understand
2: something. Mm-hmm. We are carbon-based life forms. That have this organic computer that runs it who we are well who we are we don't know who we are we know that we know that we're carbon-based life forms we know there's a computer that's sort of, kind of running this thing but who we are who's sitting in the car who's in the driver's seat who is that i who is that we that's still up for grabs some people think it's the material body some people think it's the mind some people think it's the intelligence some people think it's the soul i've spent a lot of time in my 60 plus years trying to understand who it is we are and and what it, and and not just as shakespeare said in this bank and shoal of time but what happened before what happens after how big are we i think it's like some titanic ship where there's a little thing sticking up out of the water, our life. And, but there's a whole bunch of big shit, which is you can't see, which is under the surface. So I have more interest in the big thing, as the Titanic should have, of that which is not immediately perceptible than the thing which is like obvious. Like, ah, you want to get some lunch? What are we doing? Hey, how you doing, sweetheart? Whatever it is, you know? Um, I have more interest in those unseen things which I believe are the larger part of who we are.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, th- this may sound weird, but you know, you saying you know, th- there's that part inside of you that's up for grabs. Like that—that's one of the reasons why, I personally, you know, I gravitate towards movies and storytelling so much is because a lot of movies and different types of storytelling is exploring that very thing, exploring characters who are looking at what's up for grabs within themselves, and you know, through some sort of Plot and story and exploration. If if
2: you watch, if you watch true romance, that scene with Christopher Walken and Dennis, Dennis Hopper, that's about as much truth as you can get out of a movie. You know, just look it up. Put true romance, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, and watch that 10-minute scene. And that is the kind of thing that I'm always pushing for in my work. Now, you two guys strike me in a certain way. If you have any film that you would like me to contribute to I'll be more than happy to act in your film for free. So just just let me know if there's something coming up that you want me to do or collaborate with, you know. I'll be happy to do it to help you guys out for sure as I can
0: is very much appreciated yeah well, that's yeah. extremely kind of you very good saying that yes
1: um uh speaking of just you know movies and the love of movies you know you've you've thrown out some excellent names both acting and directing are there any dream people that you haven't worked with yet that you are just dying and really want to work with both directing and acting wise
2: well i have a story about that i made a movie with michael madsen from reservoir dogs called the fifth Fifth, fifth execution. I was, with, I was a sidekick in the movie. I was with him for six weeks. And for some weird reason, and this has happened a few times, I got cut out of that movie, except for 10 seconds or something. But I was with Michael Madsen <laughs> for weeks. And one of the first things I said to him, which I probably shouldn't have because he was uncomfortable. I said, you know, I just want to tell you that of all the people that I have a desire to work with, You know you're you're really one of them, and it's a great opportunity. You know they don't people don't like to hear this kind of shit, especially somebody like Michael Madsen. But that was a real. I learned more from being on a set and watching Michael Madsen work. I've worked with with uh, William Hurt, who won an Academy Award for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Now he was there was, I didn't like him personally, but you know he was a great actor. But I learned more, and I've worked with um, Patrick Stewart. I've worked with Tommy Lee Jones. I've worked with many famous actors, but I learned more from um, Michael than, than I have, Michael Madsen, than, than any actor. Just watching how he worked. You know, he, th- there was something I did, The very sp- there was some technique that I learned from him that had eluded me. He's so aware of everything because he has such experience that he would understand that a camera has to come around this way to get him in the shot. So he would, I would notice he did an unnatural pause when we were doing some dialogue. And I thought, why is he doing that? And I thought, Oh shit, he's doing that so that that camera has time to track and come around and leave an edit space in there. So this guy's like completely aware of everything that's going on. I'm lucky if I could remember my fucking lines and relate to the actor in front of me. (laughs) But, but this guy's like, he's doing his lines, he's doing his emotion, he's doing all of these internal processes going on. But he's also understanding that the camera's coming around on a crane, it's going to take a second or two to get there. And he's got to leave a little pause so that they can do an edit later on in the editing suite. I don't have that kind of consciousness. That absolutely happens. wow that's that's wild just to have
0: that sort of awareness of just all the the moving parts the mechanics and to be able to do that with the timing and everything as well that's
2: yeah yeah,
0: because we're we're
2: doing we're doing we're doing the scene and he just stopped it's like it's like well i was thinking about having dinner tonight what about you would you like to have dinner and i thought why the fuck did he why why did he did he forget the line and then I looked up and I saw that the guy in the little seat up there with the camera coming around. And I thought, oh, shit, you know, he stopped so that they could they didn't they got everything.
0: The the editor probably loved him for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, on my first movie, uh, Jules Verne's The Mysterious Island with Patrick Stewart, the DOP uh, came up to me, said, oh, you're from Rochester. This is my first day in a movie set. So you're from Rochester, I said. Yeah, I'm from. He says, I'm from Rochester too. Hey, Jeff, let me tell you. Let me explain something to you. We're gonna, when you do a close up, uh, it's you're acting in a box. We're gonna put a camera right up here, and it's gonna be right up around you. Got about two inches on either side. If you start doing this stuff, you're gonna be out of the scene. We don't have time to fuck around. We're gonna move on, and you're not gonna get your close up. So a close up is acting in a box. Don't move your fucking head or you're going to be out of frame, out of focus, and we're just going to have to move on. I, I I made a movie called Hard Target 2. And I was supposed to, I think, shoot somebody. I was supposed to shoot somebody. And I, I screwed it up three or four times. And it was a big, big scene for me, big close-up for me in Hard Target 2. And um, the director said, mm, after, about, okay, let's move on, moving on. I lost my close-up. So you have to be keenly aware of everything that's going. And that only comes with experience and time, you know, you just have to learn that stuff. So you can, I can act, but technique comes later. You know, for me, acting came first. Oh, I know how to act. I can do this. I can talk to you. I can, but your mother died. Oh, I'm so upset. Whatever it is. I can do all that, but I'm not aware of the camera. I'm not aware of my surroundings. In fact, When I get into a heavy scene, sometimes I blur my eyes so I don't even see anybody, which works because they're professional and they pick it up on their end. But if you go back to the Michael Madsen story, he's aware of, of everything, and that's probably a superior position.
0: Uh, yeah. the, the movement definitely does play a huge role trying to to figure that out because that's just another layer on top of remembering the lines delivering everything yeah. correctly it's and, another piece of the story i mean i i'm not an actor i just you know i co-host the podcast but the italian and in both of us you know i always ask them like where's my how much Because i get going and i'm like you know mm-hmm. all over that place. I, I
2: i have people i have women it i mean it could be men but it was women i live in thailand and now I'll go, well, I don't know. And they'll go, why are you yelling at me? I'm not yelling at you. I'm just Sicilian. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> but you moved your hands. You're going to hit me. I said, no, I'm Sicilian. That's what we
0: to, do. Believe me, I already got my uh, my earplugs packed for Thanksgiving, going, <laughs> going back home to see. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh man. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you know, talking about, you know, working with these amazing actors, working on sets and getting into characters. Was there ever a scene that you had to film where the character or the situation or something, because even on a professional level, there are some scenes or characters that really can just get into somebody's head and psyche. And it just really affects their ability to act in the scene, their ability to cool off afterwards. Has that ever happened to you with any particular character that you've done?
2: Yeah, I, in, in the movie I starred in that was never released, where I played a, a CIA, well, no, I played two CIA, two movies I played CIA guys, but this one was, I was dying, and I was, my son was, I was estranged from my son, and he, 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 we had a bad relationship, but he was the only person that could be a donor for me to stay alive. An Oregon dog, so I had to figure out, you know, Mandy. So that was there was that was, and that's also on my my YouTube channel. I can't remember the name of the film right now, which is a mark of the fact I've made many films and I'm getting old. But but in this particular film, there was a lot of dialogue, and it was very emotional. And I'm talking about my son. Ah, I know. I I I made up something at the end. It wasn't in the script. I said, you know. This is the line. I ended the scene. You know, Carolyn, the son can forget the father, but the father can never forget the son. Now, that wasn't in the script, but it's something I actually read in some Krishna-conscious literature. I'm a little bit involved with the Hare Krishna movement. And um, they were talking about Krishna, that you, living entity, can forget God, but God can never forget you. So I just turned that around. This was something where from my life, I was able to pull out an actual line. And then, and I didn't think about this in advance. It was like I was in a mood about losing your children and being old and dying. And I just said, you know, Carolyn, the son can forget the father, but the father can never forget the son. It just came. Where the fuck did it come from? So I'll tell you where it came from. People, an actor has all these things floating up. I call it my bag of tricks. And so sometimes consciously you reach into your bag of tricks and pull something out to uh, approximate a character. And sometimes it's just there. It just kind of, there's a little blank and it just floats up from the subconscious and fills the blank. And if you watch that, that scene, I mean, it's there's no acting there. It's real. If you watch me in, I mean, real as real can be without being that person in that situation with a camera in front of you, there's a few places there's been a transcendent experience, which is something other than some kind of goofy acting in a sitcom or some crappy shit that everybody is, thinks is wonderful. Uh, Peninsula Train to Busan, you can see me and I defy anyone to show me where i'm acting in that film that looks pretty much like being to me martin scorsese says we're not looking for acting. in fact i got a something happened to me in drama school there was a director and he was in the back of the theater and he said yeah all right jeffrey that's very impressive could we cut out all the acting and get on with the show please and i, I never forgot that you know because i'm i'm able to do all this acting stuff but you have, basically you have to I had to unlearn a lot of what I learned and just throw it aside to just try and be. and that's where the meditation came in. That's where the Indian philosophy came in. That's why seeing life as a tip a consensus reality as a tip of an iceberg in the greater part underneath and unseen, but still influencing us at all times. you know Like we don't think about our heart beating or our breathing or right? anything but these things are going on. obviously. We don't see electricity, but it's lighting the room. You know, so there's many, many, most of the forces that act upon a human being are unseen. So if you have a little bit of knowledge about that, or just are open to it, you'll get a lot more, a lot more things will come into your life. than if you think, I know I'm an American, I was born here, and I believe in this, and I know that you work with a closed system, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to be open. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and uh, you know I I'm sorry I'm gonna go back to Squid Game one more time just oh, because,
2: I, I, talk about anything you want because I am <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fuck about you I just, go ahead no you're good uh, just
1: because you know the audience would be you know all over me if I didn't ask yeah
2: yeah 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 yeah
1: technically your character survives yes. So I, yes. I, I, I don't know what you're allowed to say or anything, but...
2: I, I can you, say anything. Is there a potential that we're going to see you in season two of the show? Yes. Yes, there's a great potential. Uh, look, the director last week, I believe, or the week before, said it's not going to be, be a prequel. It's going to pick up where it left off. No, and And the people that are going to be in it are the people that are still alive. I'm still alive. I'll give you a couple of things you might be interested in. Number one, when I'm knocked unconscious, the guy, the guard comes in and he says, VIP four is down. (sighs) Is he dead? No, he's alive. He's just unconscious or whatever the line is. Why did they say that? Why did they do that scene? That has nothing to do with any fucking thing in that movie. It, it, it's completely, it doesn't match up. It's not important to any story. It's not a part of any story or any plot. It's a separate piece that was put in there. So that's clue number one. Clue number two is there is a scene when I'm sitting there, you know, in that big room with the girl with the breasts, and I got my feet on the guy, and I'm sitting back, the big idiot and the waiter the policeman lets a f- cell phone drop down from in his sleeve and starts taking video of me why why did he do that that is never explained it's never referenced again so there's truth I, I wasn't killed he took footage of me that made no sense no sense in the context of that show and I was And they made a a whole scene in a movie. There was no reason to do that scene. You know, he could have just knocked me out there when I tried to rape him or whatever. And that would have been it. And cut. But they then did another scene where this June, the actor, went back to his trailer. All right, Mr. Giuliano lay on the floor. You're unconscious. You know, and they made a big, you know, that took about two hours to shoot that. By the time they fooled around with cameras and all that. So it was. Uh, I don't know why they did that. If, if not to set things up for the next season. Awesome. Yeah, definitely awesome.
0: interesting narrative threads. That yeah, just
2: yeah. Not not nothing is on accident.
0: Yeah. No, never, never. Never. And uh, yeah.
1: And,
2: not uh, in a not in a mo- Not in a movie where yeah. everything is storyboarded. You know, people have showed me storyboards before, and I go, yeah, okay, that's nice, and I didn't even look at them. They said, no, Mr. Giuliano, this is the storyboard for the first shot. Look at that picture. Okay, move your hand up, up a little bit more, two centimeters back. It's in front of your face. Lean forward about a half an inch. If somebody's going to make a movie with that kind of precision, I promise you that there's they're not going to shoot a scene with 300 people at X dollars a second for something that doesn't make sense and they're not going to use and isn't relevant to anything else. My supposition is I will be in season two, but I don't. I think the clues are pretty... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'd, I'd,
0: pretty, pretty toward that.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd say so too. I'd say so too. Mm-hmm. And when you get to be my age, you kind of, not in a bad way, but you kind of look at younger people as not as together is you, you know? Uh, you think, well, I mean, he, guy like this hasn't had the experience I've had. And you kind of, I don't know if it's a superior attitude, but it's some kind of an attitude that you, some some position you take in your mind about younger actors, you know? But this guy, this guy, I didn't know when he took a shot. I don't even seen a lot of pictures of him now. He's people's most sexiest man in the world got all these ripped and all that 812 pack. And I didn't see any of that. He just he looked like a, you know, a fairly handsome 30-year-old something guy and polite and kind and didn't speak English that I saw and was, uh, you know, I, but I thought, okay, so this is going to be, he'll be okay. He's probably, I thought probably he's a model or something. No, no, no. June's a really good actor. He was present. He was there. He did virtually everything in one take. He was prepared. Uh, That was a difficult scene to shoot. Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, I had to take all my clothes off. Now, I had a little cup over my genitalia. They had taken a cup and they taped it in the costume room uh, with cloth. It was a cloth-like plastic egg. And then had this flesh colored tape. So my genitals were all covered up, but that was it. Now, this is kind of funny, but it's also embarrassing. I knew I was going to do a nude scene. I knew there was some kind of pretend uh, oral sex involved there. So they, they picked me up at 11, but it was a two hour drive to the studio. So at nine o'clock, I got in the shower and I stayed there for an hour and a half. And I put the soap on and I let it sit and I rinsed it and I put it on again. I put on super clean clothes and underwear and stuff and perspirant And, you know, I, cause I, I knew that it was a two hour thing and you have to wait around a couple hours before you get on the set. So it was like five hours later, I was in front of this guy naked with hot lights and I thought I'm going to smell, you know, any human being is going to have an odor. Just impossible not to have some odor coming from your genitalia uh, under hot lights, and I thought, "Fuck this poor guy," because this was not done with camera angles. He was about two inches from my penis. You know, he was right there. I mean, they could have done it another way. They could have had him sitting back a couple of feet. He was on a. He was sitting on a stool. He wasn't on his knees. Sitting on the stool they could have had him two feet back and just put that camera at an angle so it looked like he was there, but they didn't do that. He was right next to my penis as if there was going to be some kind of oral sex. And I thought, fuck, you know, Jesus Christ himself would emit some kind of an odor under these circumstances. That was really embarrassing. And I'll tell you something, the look on his face or he's like looking at me all up, you know, I, I'm convinced there was no acting required there. That must've smelled something, you know, but you know, as an actor, you know, that's another thing too. If you're gonna do a love scene, you brush your teeth and brush your teeth and brush your teeth and then you dental floss and water pick and you carry a toothbrush with you. And just before the scene, I have to go to the bathroom and you brush your teeth again and you have mouthwash and spray, but you can't really do that if you're naked, under a bunch of hot lights, what are you gonna do? Take a shower, two seconds, you know, you gotta just so that was tough and it, it it fucked up my concentration. Cause I had no business thinking about, is there a bad smell and this this guy has to endure and I'm so embarrassed. I should have been thinking about my character. Fortunately, it was an easy scene to do where he just grabs me. Ah oh! he didn't grab anything. You know, he just went like they it was fake. So, yeah, that was that was uh, weird. And the thing that I thought was going to happen with this movie didn't happen, which is that everybody's "Oh, he's fat, he's old, he's ugly, he's gross." Uh, here's his ass. Here's screenshots of his ass. Here's his fat stomach. Nobody said any of that because I because I almost didn't take the movie because I thought that's what's going to happen, but n- that none of that happened. I don't know why it didn't happen because that's what I because you know when you're an, a, a successful actor you have more haters than fans because there's little you know people are jealous people don't people don't want other people to succeed they just don't you know uh, it's human nature so if you kind of step out in front of everybody by in this case by accident I just thought it was another acting job I didn't know. Um, People don't like it, man. People don't want you to be successful. As, you know, I mean, really, other than your mother, probably, and maybe your wife and girlfriend, whatever it is, your relationship, your partner, nobody else wants you to be fucking successful. Nobody wants you two idiots to be the Coen brothers. They just don't want that, and they won't accept it. And if there's anything they can do to stop that, they will, because they want to be the Coen brothers. So I've had, one time I came out of a, a successful audition and there was another actor. This was before they you did them on a cell phone. You had to go and wait and fill out an application. There was 10 actors in the room. Well, the other actor came out and he took a swing at me and he was a really big guy. And for some reason, I ducked. He wasn't, he tried to beat me up. Big swing at me and I went down. And I went up and I said, what is wrong with you? He said, man, you are taking the food out of my daughter's mouth. I said, dude, you're supremely fucked up. I'm not taking the food out. The director gave me the part. You got a problem with this casting? You go talk to the director, it's fuck all to do with me. You went in there to get the part, I went in there to get the part, I got the part, okay? I'm sorry about your daughter. I'm sorry you're having financial... So, listen, man, people shoot people. People cut their wrists. People jump out of buildings. People take fentanyl. There's all kinds of crazy shit that happens in this acting world. And I just try to stay clear of it. I'll tell you a real quick story about Patrick Stewart. I was making a movie called Jules Verne's the Mysterious Island in Krabi, in the islands in the south. And we were at this it was a six-week shoot, and I had Patrick Stewart was there. It was a pirate movie. You can see it online. And I was invited to dinner by his personal assistant with Patrick Stewart and other stars of the show. Uh, and the guy from Twin Peaks was in that Laughlin or something like that. Anyway. So So we're there was some drink. I don't drink part of my religious thing. And everybody was drinking wine, and he looked at me and he said, Mr. Giuliano, I've heard that you're vegetarian. Is that true? Yes, Mr. Stewart, I am, he said. Do you feel morally superior to me as a vegetarian? I'm here eating meat. You probably think you're a little bit better than me, don't you, Mr. Giuliano? Oh, no, Mr. Stewart, of course. From that moment on, Patrick Stewart never spoke to me. No one in the fucking crew ever spoke to me. None of the cast, only as much as they had to, spoke to me. I was a fucking pariah. What did I do? Nothing. As I tell my children, truth is not important in this world. The perception of truth is important. Somehow in somebody's mind, I fucking did something by the fact that I was a vegetarian. I didn't say, hey, Stuart, I am morally superior to you. Why are you eating that dead animal? No, I didn't say anything. I was just sitting there eating my whatever I was eating, macaroni and cheese. So I learned something from that. Don't socialize on a movie set. You're not there to fucking socialize. You're not there to meet people in the movie. The, the, Vinnie Jones was in the movie too. You're not there to meet Vinnie Jones in the bar for drinks after the shoot. You know, that was my first movie. So I said, wow, I'm hanging around with Patrick Stewart and Vinnie Jones and all these guys, Kyle Laughlin or something his name was from Twin Peaks. So, so you, you, wow, this is, I'm, I'm a movie star. You know, no, you're not a movie star. You're an actor. So um, I, I would recommend that you never go to a cast party. Not never, but you know, pretty much never. Don't go to a cast party. Don't socialize. Understand what you're there for. You're there to act. So now, inevitably, when people say, hey, Jeff, we're having a party. It's, oh, man, really? Man, I would love to go to that party. Unfortunately, I've got to do this, that, or the other thing, and I just don't do it. So you got to understand what you're there for and what's expected of you and how important it is to the production because a movie set is like a Swiss watch. There's all these parts that are moving independent. If this clicks in here and moves this and this drops down. If any one of those gets out of sync, I got fired from a movie, last story. I got fired from a movie with William Hurt, the big actor. Why did I get fired? Because when I was outside before we started shooting and he was walking into the makeup place, Truck. And I was talking to my girlfriend on the phone. And he walked by. I nodded. He nodded. He walked into his trailer and then he came out and he leaned around the corner and said, You're commandeering the entire area. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll call you back. I'm so sorry, Miss. I was fired. Apparently, Mr. Hurt thought I was speaking too loud on my cell phone. Outside, in the middle of a field before any work was happening. Was I? Probably, probably. Was it worthy of getting fired? No, Um, but I was fired. But I I learned so much. Listen, when you're in a movie set, you go there, you're quiet. Doesn't matter how you feel, just go there. What's going on at home? All that stuff is out the window. Your finances, nothing. You go there, you're quiet show up. Hi. And I, per- I it's, it's fake. I put on a fake personality. Hi, good morning. Because there's always somebody there to meet you with a clipboard and something in their ear. So hi, how are you? What Sorry, what's your name? Oh, hi. It's really nice to meet you. All fake. Um, so what, what would you like me to do? Well, Mr. Giuliano, would you go over here to the dressing room or to the makeup room and then they'll walk you over and sit you down and say so if you could just hang yeah sure no problem thank you and then fake 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 and then uh okay Mr. Giuliano time to come come to wardrobe oh cool great thank you so much I don't engage them in conversation I don't ask them about their boyfriend or she's kind of cute or try to pick up whatever it is that's what I do and then it's like all right, Mr. Giuliano, we're going to go to the set now. Okay, thank you. I really appreciate that. And here's the director. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Jeffrey. What would you like me to do? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Well, would you go and stand over there? We're going to do a run through. Yes, sir. I will. thank you so much. And you do that. And that's how you behave on a film set. And when it's over, they'll go, That's a wrap for Jeffrey Giuliano, Hey, like that. And then you go, hey, thank you. It was really great to work with you all. Thank you so much. Bye. And you you go into the thing, you take off, you wash your face, you get in the car, and you go home. That's it. Nothing else. And if you do that, people will say, how was it working with Jeffrey? Oh, he was fine. As opposed to, he's difficult. Because if there's one kiss of death in Hollywood, it's those two words. He's difficult. Whether you're difficult or not, doesn't matter. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But if somebody gets it in their head to say that you're difficult, you're pretty much fucked. Because when that comes around again to the next movie, how was it working with Jeffrey? Well, I don't know personally. I didn't work with him, but I hear he's difficult. I now overcompensate for that and am super Hi, how are you? And it's not the way I am, but you know, I don't want to take any chance that I'm going to, in any way, I had that situation in a movie I made for the BBC uh, recently, two years ago in Kuala Lumpur called The Singapore Grip, where the woman said to me, hello, Jeff, it's all phony. Hello, Jeffrey, thank you for coming to all this way to Kuala Lumpur to make the movie. We're very excited to have you in the cast. Well, thank you. I'm the producer. And I said, I had no idea. And something in the way I said it was a little bit rude or denigrating. And as soon as it came out, I thought, fuck, that's not what I meant. But I know that sounded weird. And she went like that. And I was cut out of that movie. I was cut out. I was paid a lot of money to come there and have a big part in that movie. And that, that fucking woman cut me the fuck out because I, and, and and I immediately jumped on it and said, oh, well, it, it is a real clip, but it was too late. It was too late. It was too late. I said something which was sounded rude. If you had a tape recording of it or a film of it, it would definitely look like I was being an arrogant idiot, but I didn't mean it. It was just the way it slipped out, but it, I was cut out of that movie as a direct result of me saying whatever I said. Like, I think I said I... You know, I I made. She said maybe I made X movies. I said, well, I had no idea. As if like, oh, you did. Oh, really? But it wasn't that. It, it sounded like that. So it, you got to be. It's it's a mind field. Uh, a, a movie set is a benevolent dictatorship. If you're lucky, it's not a democracy. You don't have a fucking vote. You don't have any rights. It's a minefield, and you got to be very careful. I thought that would be instructive to anyone out there who's interested in making movies. You know, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, No, that's that's appreciated.
1: You know, that's that's a lot of what we like to talk about and do, and you know, having someone like you give those onset experiences and give this that piece of advice that people wouldn't think to give is really beneficial and helpful. So, thank you for. It's talking. easy.
2: To, it's easy as fuck to get into trouble on a movie set.
0: Mm. That's
2: without even trying. I'll give you another example. I was supposed to be in the van at 7 in that Michael Madsen movie. I was supposed to be in the van at 7 o'clock. I got there. This happened twice to me, but I'll tell you about this one. I got there and the guy said, it's one. You've got 10 people in this van, 300 people waiting on the set for you. And who do you think you are, Mr. Hollywood? It's 7.01. You're supposed to be here at fucking 7 o'clock. There's mechanisms in a movie, and you're disturbing the balance of the movie. I'm really sorry. Get in the car. And that happened to me. And I, I deserved it. Uh, I once interviewed Katherine Hepburn when I was a writer, and I was to be at her house at 10 o'clock. So I'm not, I, I thought, well, you know, she's a big movie star. Wow, Katherine Hepburn. I should get there a little early. You know, so just don't risk being late. So I, I rung the doorbell and there was a window, and she, Catherine Hepburn, she said, Do you know what time it is, young man? I said, Oh, Miss Hepburn, it's uh, four minutes to 10. And what time is our appointment? Well, it, it, it's at 10. So you're four minutes early? Yeah, slam! She slammed the window down. You can't be early. You can't be late. You know? And it's easy to get in trouble on a movie set. Okay. There you go. There's yeah. a master a masterclass.
0: Wow. do just,
2: On a fucking movie set. That <laughs> just
0: sounds overly stressful on top of all the other stressors that are just happening on it and yeah. the fact that as you're saying like it seems like you have to put you you have to start acting before the cameras are even even rolling yeah. on it.
2: You know, I, I I keep my script in my every other people don't do this and I don't know where they get that confidence people go in and they, yeah, you know, they don't have, there's no script. The only script you find on a set is mine. I keep it in my, if I'm sitting down, I put it under my ass and just while they're fucking around just before they. Sh- okay. Okay. I got it. And then I, right, okay, I got it. Or I'll have it under here. I put it sometimes under my arm. If I've got a jacket on that script is right next to me so that I can refer to that thing just before they say action. I'll look at that script. Okay, I got it. You know, but I mean, other people, I'm the only one who does that. Everybody else just like knows there's, I mean, I know the lines, but I just don't, I just don't. I, I remember there was a, oh, I know what it was. I was in this movie where somebody shot me and I had those squibs on that explode with the blood. And it took like 45 minutes to put them on. And they put the shirt on and they fucked around and they said, Action. And I went, Oh, and I fell down. And they said, What are you doing? You're supposed to like grab your chest, look down, look up, and slowly fall down. All right, get him a new shirt, get the guys in here with the another hour. You know, all these people are waiting now. It was one of the most horrific experiences of my life. I got it on the second take. But you just really have to know what you are doing when you're on a movie set or you can cause a great distress and people won't, and then they won't hire you again. They just won't hire you. I'm lucky because my performances are good and they, oh, the finished product. I'll tell you, that's one another thing. Pretty much all is forgotten. If you put in a good performance but you can't rely on that that's just like shit that didn't go very well but two years later oh shit the performance was great people kind of remember that but it's it's harder to stay out of trouble than it is to get into trouble on a movie set it's difficult
1: yeah and uh, with with all that being said and with your story about Katherine Hepburn I really appreciate the fact that you let us start a little early so (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> we were also a few minutes away
2: i was before. meaning to talk
0: to you about that <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly we we got in 10 minutes or we we're surprised you we still wanted to do it. that right <laughs> but no that, that that's interesting about the uh, uh about the script because i mean like the way I, I i see it you know i graduated college two years ago i i see no harm looking at the notebook walking into the test you know let's see you know what what's the harm in that yeah. i
2: understand i understand what happens if you fuck up a line yeah it's not it's not just embarrassing it just stops a machine mm-hmm. you know it's just like going down 70 miles an hour in a car and slamming on the brakes everything has to stop everything pushes forward and everybody and and i know that those people that aren't involved with the acting the grips the best boys the runners the lighting guys are going oh, jesus christ can we get this thing over with? I want to get out of here. I got to, whatever it is, you know, and every, how much does it cost per minute to shoot a Netflix movie? How much would that be with 300 people standing around and equipment rental and all that?
0: Quite, quite a lot. Very. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Well, uh, Mr. Giuliano, I could, we could speak with you for four hours about this shit. This has been one of the most fun, yeah. exciting interviews we've ever done, but you know, I got to go to my day job in the morning and so does this guy. And you know, just the fact that you took the time to do this and talk with us, it means the world. We just wanted to say thank you so much. Absolutely. And if, my pleasure. There's, any, and if there's anything that you want to promote or say anything before you go, you know, the floor is yours, sir.
2: All right. Well, I would invite people to go to my YouTube channel. Uh, the Jeffrey Giuliano channel. I would invite people to go to jeffreygiuliano.com. That's G E O F F R E Y G I U L I A N O. I would invite people to join me on Instagram at Jeffrey Actor, G E O F F R E um, Y A C T O R, or indeed my uh, TikTok which is not for old people, but anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's for Squid Game Confidential. You know, all this dancing around in the bedroom. i thought, what the fuck is this? You know, <laughs> this is a poor substitute for any kind of perceptible talent that I've ever seen. Woo, dancing around. Okay, wow, you're an influencer. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, yeah, that's, that's Squid Game Confidential. But most importantly, I have a Facebook page called, or there is a Facebook page of my fans or people that like the work I'm doing. Maybe a little bit is called uh, uh, VIP4's Squid Game Universe on Facebook. That's a private thing. I'm one of the admins. I'll let you in. This guy, I don't know, but you is okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, So that's it. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for an opportunity to speak intelligently about this business that we're in. Um, obviously, most of the interviews aren't like this. I thought, by contrast, as your filmmakers, we go a little, we take a deeper dive than normal. Yes, Absolutely. thank you so much, yeah. and uh, have a good night, sir.
1: Again. Thank you. I think
2: it's thank good you. morning for him. Right oh, now. it is. It yeah. is good morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got work to do. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Take thank, care. You thank you very much. You. Thank, you. thank you. You have a good, good one. Morning.
1: As you can see. That was a lot of fun. Um, I think that's it for the show.
0: Yeah. No, I think we need to get more of those.
1: Yeah, we do. I'll I'll try to get some more of those, you guys. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough, you see. It is. But, uh, but yes, uh, thank you, Mr. Giuliano, for doing that interview. And it's... I also want to give a thank you to Everett Lee and the guys over at the Podcast City Network, who we are a part of, and you should check out their website mm-hmm. for um, helping hook up that interview. I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah. Without further ado, you got anything else you want to add, sir?
0: Uh no, I think that that's it. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time. <laughs> you dumb bitch.